Hey everybody, it's your girl Flo. You just tuned in to another episode of the Flo Experience. And um, it's been a little while since I've been on here. I don't think that I've recorded anything since uh, Juneteenth, Father's Day week. Um, there's been a few things going on that has kind of kept me preoccupied. Um, just to be transparent, I do not own the rights to the music in the background. But uh, based on the narrative of this particular episode, I felt that uh, this particular song by Sam Cooke was appropriate. Uh, this past weekend, we lost two icons on the very same day. And uh, we lost Dr. C.T. Vivian, civil rights um, contributor, leader. And um, we also lost Congressman John Lewis, uh, who was also a civil rights leader, uh, congressman, freedom fighter, they both were, and they both served directly under and alongside of Dr. Martin Luther King. We lost both of those gentlemen on the very same day. Um, I believe Mr. John Lewis had cancer and Mr. C.T. Vivian passed away of natural causes. But just the thought of knowing um, the times that we're in today and the fact that we lost them both on the same day, there's some, there's some transparency um, that I get from that. And so um, in today's episode, we're gonna talk about the celebration of life, specifically of Dr. C.T. Vivian, um, with a few highlights about John Lewis also, but particularly Mr. C.T. Vivian, because my son, um, my 12-year-old, has been a member of Dr. C.T. Vivian's mentoring group called the C.T. Vivian Male Scholars Program now for the last going on three years. And what this program embodied and encouraged um, was the leadership and positive role of our black men that is necessary, that should also be uh, celebrated, and that young men his age, uh, you know, even younger than that, or, you know, even well into their adult hood or adult life should be able to receive these jewels in such a village. And he really gets a lot out of being around these gentlemen, uh, Mr. Don Rivers, uh, Mr. Gregory Ross, um, and there are a number of other gentlemen that are involved, Mr. Donald Jarman, um, uh, Brother Hakeem, and a number of others. But these gentlemen aspire um, to be though that prominent example of what a black man um, who has lived, who is seasoned in this environment here in the United States of America as a black man, and who has experienced life um, you know, they say every time a black man walks out of his front door, he's in danger, he's at war. And so they are that very experience of that, um, of that process of being a black man leaving out of their front door every day, um, and struggling through those elements that they fight against every day, every second, every hour, every moment 
yet being able to find some sort of inner peace and inner strength within themselves to maintain a sense of morality, to maintain um, strong character, um, and still be successful human beings and family men all at the same time. You know, when I did the Juneteenth piece for our fathers on Father's Day, I was very vocal about appreciating our black men just as much as they ought to appreciate us as black women who, as Malcolm X described as one of the most unprotected species on the earth, the black woman. But sometimes you have to be just as strong and just as protective of your counterparts within your same village as you expect them to be for you. Not that we haven't. So that isn't to take away from uh, the fact that we are always 10 toes. We don't fold. You understand? But there are those situations. There are those exceptions that don't help the situation when it comes to our black men. And that also is just as important. It shouldn't be ignored. We shouldn't forget. We shouldn't fold. Um, and I believe if we surround ourselves with positive influences, positive thinkers, um, strong human beings that believe in the core value of appreciating our black men, whether it's within themselves or whether it's exuded from the lens of a black woman. Uh, I think that we can definitely leave a, 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 a good impression and a good example for our younger black men to realize. And so him being a part of the C.T. Vivian Male Scholars Program is important to me as his mother, as well as it is important to the brothers that are keeping that program afloat. Because in him, they see themselves. That's something that I can't give to my son. So his relationship has been built on trust, honesty, um, knowledge, camaraderie with a group of men who, along with Dr. C.T. Vivian, saw the necessary need for our young black men to experience. And I am so grateful. I was introduced to the program by my daughter's best friend's mom because her son was involved in the program. So I owe a, 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 a debt of gratitude to her for that opportunity because I wouldn't have known about this program had I not gotten referred uh, by Angelise. And so when you think about this particular program and many others that are being, that have been and are being spearheaded by 
uh, staples in our community that are such that they receive presidential medals of honor. <laughs> okay, because Dr. C.T. Vivian received a presidential medal of honor from Barack Obama when he was in office. You know, for my son to be a part of that man's legacy is, 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 is a fulfillment that I can't express because this is a lifelong mentorship, okay? They offer an age, a window, you know, of uh, uh, the age that uh, the young men are allowed to uh, be a part of and, 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 and can contribute or, or uh, participate. And I can't remember the exact age. I know it's up to the age of 21. But they don't break ties because of, you know, the, the, that year coming upon to the young man participating and then that being the apron string being cut. They have made a commitment, and this program has been a while around now, from what I understand, for over 10 years. And so um, they have young men that they've watched grow up, that they've helped to raise. And all of these young men are better for it. And so my son, at first was a little skeptical about attending Dr. C.T. Vivian's memorial. At first he said, yeah, I want to go. So we began to get ready. Then he came in and he said, well, mom, where are we going? And I said, well, son, I've already asked you and I told you we're getting dressed because we're going to Dr. C.T. Vivian's memorial. I said, you want to go, right? And he said, no. And I said, but you already told me you wanted to go and we're getting dressed. And he said, but I just don't want to be sad, mommy. You see, he understood who Dr. C.T. Vivian was because of the gentlemen that were running his program that he was affiliated with and that had uh, direct one-on-one uh, mentor, a mentored relationship and friendship with him. Yet my son never did get the chance to meet Dr. C.T. Vivian and that weighed on him, which I didn't know that he, uh, that these were the thoughts going through his mind. So I convinced him to go. And I said, listen, we're going to go. You know, your mentor, your whole group, everybody involved, they sent, a, sent us our direct invitation and they're asking that we be there. Do, you know, Mr. Rivers wants to see you there. Um, and mommy's going to be there. You know, I'm going to hold you up, all that. So we get dressed, we go. It's a beautiful ceremony. He laid in state for three hours. We got a chance to view him. Um, he looked great. You know, the brother was 95 years old and yet he laid there in his casket and he looked so peaceful and um, it was beautiful. And, you know, we got a chance to, um, you know, visit or spend uh, some group time with the uh, brothers of the mentoring group. And um, then after he lay in state, we got the opportunity to walk along with his uh, carriage, his horse-drawn carriage that carried Dr. Vivian from the Georgia State Capitol to the Dr. Martin Luther King Center. And, you know, that just kind of resonated with me in that moment because not only are we celebrating his life, but for every step we took, it reminded me 
of the things that I've heard and learned about the marches that the civil rights leaders had taken. In that moment, I understood how we are now standing on their shoulders, our ancestors. And it was just a moment, you know, it was just a moment. You had to really kind of be there to get that. And as we walked, I thought, wow, you know, this is about a mile and a half walk. But think about that march in Selma and all of those walks that they took to just peacefully protest and, 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 you know, for their presence to get the attention of the powers that be to say we are against racism. We are against not having the freedom to vote. I mean, we are against not being able to drink from a water fountain. We are against not being able to, uh, you know, live a decent life. So we, we, we going to show up and we're going to show up in numbers and we're going to let you see us. Now, a lot of people say, oh, marching don't matter. You know, you know, that, that, that don't matter. I hear y'all. And perhaps to some degree, because of where we are in today's times, that, that statement may be somewhat relevant. However, I would have rather known that that was a part of our history of people doing something than nothing being done at all. Because the fact of the matter is, those protests actually did earn us some of the rights that we have that we have right now today. And it, you know, even though they did that and did get us this, you know, a step further, they didn't promise by doing what they were doing that, you know, our struggles would be completely over. You know, our civil rights leaders never promised us that uh you know, this was going to solve all the problems. But what they were going to do is that they were not going to rest until we saw progress, whether it been the progress to have the right to vote, the progress to end Jim Crow, the progress to, you know, uh, be able to go to, to the schools we choose to go to, whatever that is. You know, uh, yeah, I have a different point of view about it, but I'm not going to disrespect their effort in denouncement of what they had done. Because, see, we didn't live in the 60s. You know, we have a different type of uh, experience, right? Is the narrative is the same, but the experience isn't necessarily uh, parallel. Some of it is, but not everything. So I can't put myself back there and say what I would have done because I don't know who I would have been then as to who I, you know, in comparison to who I am right now, that may have been a different person back then. We don't know. So all we can do is, you know, at least appreciate all of our soldiers, all of our men and women. I don't care who they were or what they did. They got up off their ass and they said, hey, this ain't going to fly. Some of us are going to do it by any means necessary. I'm with y'all too. But for the ones that ain't built for that kind of battle, at the very least, you found a way to stand up and fight in your own way. I appreciate that. I appreciate the people that's doing something now. Because, hell, I ain't out there protesting like I probably should be. I'm on the sidelines just like a lot of other folks. But I will express myself, which is, you know, what we all supposed to do. But I hope that we are encouraged to do it in a respectful way of the ones that have come before us. And so Dr. C.T. Vivian means a lot just, you know, to us personally, just having had my son involved in his program. He had a vision and a focus for young black men um, that warranted this type of camaraderie that my son is able to 
experience. And so needless to say, uh, during the march or on the way back, my son took every second of that day. He took it all in. He didn't give up. It was hot. We had a long walk. He didn't complain. He stood with his group. You know, he got a chance to be interviewed. He, you know, he was such a strong young man. He cried when he felt like he wanted to cry. Listen, he truly, in, you know, in, in, uh, embraced this opportunity to show his respect to a man who he had only merely had the opportunity to hear about. Because Dr. C.T. Vivian was a very busy person, you know, and, and, and I doubt that he purposely wasn't around because there were a few instances and a few uh, times where it was mentioned that there were plans for us to all gather with him. Um, but then we had COVID. That shut a lot of stuff down. The man is 95. And, um, but anyway, so on the way back, he says, Mom, during one of our Zoom uh, mentoring meetings, I learned that they had actually had a field trip. And they did, in fact, go visit Dr. C.T. Vivian. But I didn't get a chance to go. And I really wanted to meet him, Mom. He says, I miss him, even though I didn't meet him. And I felt horrible because he had an opportunity to, he, he would have, but I didn't, I don't think that I was on the email list or some, some way or another communication was lost. I may have been in flight attendant training. I'm not sure, but that pains me a little bit because you never know. And he said, because mommy, I was just going to wait for the next chance to meet him. But now I'll never meet him. And I understand how that feels when you think tomorrow is going to be available to you. And God has other plans. And so I had to just encourage him. Um, and just to let him know, believe it or not, Mr. C.T. Vivian knows exactly who you are. And I know for sure, he I'm sure he does, because Mr. Don Rivers was not only uh, the chairman of the C.T. Vivian Male Scholars Program, but he's been he's worked under Dr. C.T. Vivian since he was 21 years old, and I believe Mr. Rivers is now 64, 65. And... Uh, so that was not only his mentor, his leader, he was employed by Mr. C.T. Vivian, but that was also his friend. And he's very proud of all, his, all the young men in this program. And it's because of him that this program, under the name of Dr. C.T. Vivian, uh, is, is, is still in existence. Um, and so because I know Mr. Rivers, I'm certain that he's had that conversation with Dr. Vivian about my son because he's so proud of him. And, you know, Lawan has shown so much growth. Um, he's shown them his talents that they always reference and encourage every time that they see him and, you know, or introduce him to someone that we are um, having the opportunity to meet. So I told him, you know, don't, he knows who you are. And because you are a part of his, this program, he is, his spirit is always going to be with you and in you. And, um, so I, I'm, I'm thankful that we had the opportunity to be around greatness, uh, even in death and that we had an opportunity to experience legacy established um, by somebody who, whose shoulders that we now stand. So I'm gonna give you a little bit about Dr. C.T. Vivian. Um, 
it says his name was uh, Cordy Tyndale Vivian, and he was known as uh, CT. He's actually from Missouri. And um, then he grew up in Illinois. Um, and he was a very, you know, he was a very educated person, you know, in 1942, he went to Western Illinois University, um, and he worked as a sports editor and then he graduated there with a bachelor's in education. Um, and then he was a recreation director for Carver Community Center in Peoria. And then in 1947, as a young man, he led his first sit-in demonstration which successfully integrated Peoria's Barton's Cafeteria and then thereby winning his first nonviolent direct action movement. So even before Dr. Martin Luther King, this is who this brother was. If he saw an opportunity of unfairness, he stood up and said something. His, his, his way of doing things was in a peaceful way. And... Hey, like it says, he he won. Um, and I am reading an email that I got from Doc, from Mr. Uh, Gregory Ross. Um, and he sent this to us um, so that we could have some information on his legacy and his life. Um, and so just a little bit more about him moving past fast forward through that. Um, let's see. While studying for the ministry at American Baptist College in Nashville, Tennessee in 59, he met Reverend James Lawson, who was teaching uh, Gandhi's nonviolent direct action strategy to the student central uh, committee. Diane Nash... Bernard Lafayette, James Bevel, James Foreman, and John Lewis, and other students from the American Baptist College, Fisk University, and Tennessee State University executed a systematic nonviolent campaign for justice. So, you know, not only did we lose these two brothers on the same day, but they were brothers long before... um, the nationally known civil rights movement. Um, And then in uh, 1960, 4,000 demonstrators marched on Nashville, Tennessee City Hall where C.T. Vivian and Diane Nash, they challenged the Nashville mayor at the time, Ben West, on racial injustice in Nashville. And as a result, Mayor West publicly agreed that racial discrimination was morally wrong. Um, And then in 61, Dr. Vivian, then a member of the Southern Christian Leadership Conference, participated in Freedom Rides. And then in 1963, Dr. Martin Luther King named Dr. C.T. Vivian National Director of Affiliates. Um, In 1965, an incident that would make national news Vivian confronted Sheriff Jim Clark on the steps of the Selma Courthouse during a voter registration drive. The summer following the Selma movement, Vivian developed, organized, and launched Vision, an educational program that assisted 702 Alabama students with attending college on scholarship. Vision would later be known as, some of y'all are familiar with this, if you're in my age group, I know you know what it is because we used to hear about it as a kid, but Vision would later be known as Upward Bound, okay? So I've always heard about Upward Bound, even as a young girl, before I came to Atlanta and all of that. So to know, to to associate that with Dr. C.T. Vivian now, is like, wow, okay, I get it, right? And so... Um, let's see, what else did he get here? Once known as a Christian journalist, uh, was then is now known for his work with Dr. Martin Luther King as the national director of affiliates and strategists. 
uh, for the Christian Leadership Congress organization. He truly helped change the nation. And Birmingham, his work helped to enact the Civil Rights Bill and in Selma, the Voting Rights Bill. Vivian was also deeply involved in the movements, including those in Danville, Virginia, St. Augustine, Florida, Chicago, Illinois. Um, and then he authored his first book in 1970, written by a member of King's staff entitled Black Power and the American Myth. Um, this brother was just heavy, okay? And there's a lot of information here. Um, but the, um, the last notable moments of his life include in 2007, uh, then-Senator Barack Obama spoke at historic Brown Chapel AME Church in Selma, Alabama, recognizing and honoring Reverend C.T. Vivian by quoting the works of Dr. Martin Luther King. Dr. King called Reverend Vivian, quote, the greatest preacher to ever live. Now, for you to get that kind of an accolade from Dr. Martin Luther King, you heavy. <laughs> That's just real. Six years later, in November 2013, Barack Obama again honored Reverend Vivian for his vision and leadership in the fight for justice by awarding him with the nation's highest civilian honor, the Presidential Medal of Freedom. And so we are definitely uh, in debt to this brother there's so many, I mean, I can go on and on and on. He was on the Oprah Winfrey show. Um, he was the first guest, the Oprah Winfrey show. Reverend Vivian was the first guest to be held over a second full day of filming due to public demand. Reverend Vivian has appeared on the show four times in total. So um, his impression left on this society is uh one without measure um he's you know his his level of intelligence is uh something that um can't be duplicated yet it can be um we can definitely learn from what he knew and and the things that he tried to teach um and so I mean, there is a ton of things that he's done in this email it's, it's like pages of stuff not just here in the United States. Um, he was in Holland um, on a week tour for the Christian Youth Council of the Netherlands. Um, Manila consulted with the National Council of Churches in the Philippines, um, Brussels, Japan, nation nationwide six-week speaking tour, um, by the Japanese Peace Council to deliver a, net, a national series of speeches, Italy, Australia, Russia, Lebanon, Cuba, Thailand. I'm saying the man was world renowned. Okay. Um, and then, you know, last but not least that I'll highlight, and then we'll kind of move on. Dr. Viv Dr. Vivian organized the Chicago nations gangs to secure 20,000 apprenticeship slots that paved the way for Chicago's people of color to gain access to union membership. Um, his body of work is unparalleled by any civil rights leader in the history of America. And it's funny because all of this that he had accomplished, right? Even some of the national notoriety that he received. I was interviewed by a young lady that was there in the States, um, capital where he laid in state and she approached me out of the crowd and uh, she was with PBS public broadcasting service of Atlanta. And she asked me specifically, why are you here? And of course I, you know, gave her the, I should be blah, 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 blah. And she asked me, you know, everybody has heard of Dr. Martin Luther King. We know who John Lewis is. You know, we know who this person. She was like, but for those, you know, that didn't know who C.T. Vivian was, she said, uh, you know, what would you, how would you explain? Because, you know, he wasn't the, I guess, the person on at, in the forefront of the civil rights movement. 
um, that became, you know, um, public, more publicly popular than, say, Dr. Martin Luther King or anyone else. And I just basically let her know, you know, his revel- his relevance um, and the things that he has done was just as magnifying and just as important as anybody who became famous because of the civil rights movement. So, you know, he didn't have to necessarily be famous to be important. That's what people need to understand. It's those that are behind the scenes that's pushing, you know, the soldiers that's pushing and fighting and rolling their sleeves up while we lay comfortably in our beds with our heads on our pillows There's somebody out here organizing that we may never know who they are or what they do. Like right now we know who Tamika Mallory is, but who's behind her? Who, who's, you know, and she shouts them out all the time, but I'm saying those people are just as important. They are an integral piece to every movement. There is no movement by just one person. And CT Vivian was a huge part. You know, this, he's probably one of the, you know, I had never heard his name. I knew what Upper Bound was, but had nobody given him the credit for that behind Visions. Not when I was coming up. I never heard his name. You know, it took me to get grown to realize some of the people that were behind the scenes on my own and just through conversations and talks with my grandmother and my mother and, you know, other people who are, who were a part of that era um, and then coming here to Atlanta you know, I mean, come on, you don't hear, you know, about the people behind the scenes most, a lot of the time. And so I I hope that I answered that question and I'm not telling y'all word for word what I said. I just, that's pretty much what I said, but I hope I answered that question in a way that it, that it makes sense to know, you know, folks ain't gotta be famous to push for change. You ain't gotta be, you know, uh, a celebrity to do that. And, um, I believe because he was such a humble person that, you know, he didn't, he didn't look for notoriety. He looked for change and he fought for it. Um, alongside with John Lewis, you know, um, Senator John Lewis. And he's one also that, uh, definitely has made a huge impression, um, in our society, um, very vocal. Um, the brother, you know, didn't mind rolling up his sleeves, uh, an impeccable organizer, um, didn't mind getting in your face if you didn't meet the standard of, uh, being anti-racist, standing up for freedom, fighting for equality, um, And I believe that they are respectfully, I just heard on the news that they are allowing Mr. C.T. Vivian to be laid to rest before they announce John Lewis's arrangements. Just to show you the love and um, honor among men, your your honor among thieves, (laughs) but honor among men that they had with one another, that their families um, and organizers and groups um, may have worked on separate platforms, but they had enough to know that the two men would have wanted it this way, you know, so that he, Dr. C.T. Vivian, although not as famous, would have gotten his just due, which is what we were a part of to make certain that he did receive uh, his just due. So I'm going to play a little clip on uh, Dr. C.T. Vivian and his experience with the freedom rides and um he's just basically letting you know hey know what you're getting into when you sign up and he had no problem with getting into it uh after he signed up here we go you know what you're there for you know what you're doing you know the cost on both sides you know the cost if you don't if somebody doesn't right you know that all your life you've been waiting to get rid of racism, right? And you know until you can break it in the South, it's not going to be broken. And so let's get it on. And you've got your best chance. You've got a great leader. 
you got a method that, as far as I'm concerned, I'd already tried. I knew it would work. I had a God that sent me there. But you also... And so, that's just a little taste uh, of his tenacity, of his focus, of his drive, uh, with no fear. You know, earlier in that same interview there, the... the um, the person asked, I'm not sure who it is asking him the questions, but the person asked him, you know, you talk about this so nonchalantly, you know, uh, so casually, uh, you know, were you at all, did you have any reservation about being on those freedom rides and going down into the South? And he said, oh no, the only reservation I had was telling my wife that I was going. So, you know, I think today, in this day and age, in 2020, we've got some soldiers out there. You know, we've got some that are nationally known that we all can, you know, probably say a name or two. But we also have some that we don't know. We need more. We need more folks who are willing to step up on their front line and push the envelope and demand are just in this society, okay? We built this place. It belongs to us. We shouldn't have to entertain leaving uh, for the sake of uh, the system being corrupt or not being fair or being... Um, set up in a way for us to fail. You know what I'm saying? Brothers like C.T. Vivian, Malcolm, Marcus Garvey, Martin Luther King, uh, Sojourney Truth, Harriet Tubman, um, you know, they didn't do all of what they did for nothing. Our Black Panthers, our uh, NOI brothers, uh, Louis Farrakhan, and 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 um, you know the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. Those people sparked a lot of influence into the leaders and and these organizers and these groups of people who really care about the the plight of the black culture and they want to see it improve. They may have their own narratives, but there's one ending goal. And that's for us to have everything that we're supposed to have, everything that is due to us, reparation, human rights, fairness, you know, civility. That's what we, that's what they're all asking for. Like it or love it. And until we all have, at, at the very least, made a phone call, protested in our own way, called and, and or, uh, written your congressperson and demand and, and said, said something, do something. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? And so everybody has at least put in something, some kind of effort. Then we're going to continue to always just chase our tails. There's not going to be uh, an end result. And, and I'm going to tell you something. Some of us better get a little bit more prepared because I can see it on the horizon. Okay, get your kids ready. If it's not going to be in your lifetime, you are charged with getting them prepared. So they don't lose sight of what's going because it's going to take a long time. Maybe, you know, I think I posted the number of steps we actually took uh, during the C.T. Vivian uh, Memorial. You know, by walking behind um, his horse-drawn carriage, carrying him to the Dr. Martin Luther King Memorial site for his his last freedom 
uh, ride. And from there and back to my car, uh, you know, and, and along with the other small little steps we may have made while we were just kind of walking about in the state capital area. Uh, but it was over 7,000 steps. And I thought, geez, that's great. But how many steps have our ancestors taken in a day? Think about that. Some of them walk sun up to sundown, only to wake up and have to do it all over again. For whatever truth they were fighting for, for whatever freedoms they were, you know, uh, in search of. For whatever war they were walking into that they were prepared to do. Like Dr. C.T. Vivian just said, bring it on. You know, where are our generations of C.T. Vivians? And, and, uh, and Nat Turner's. Talk about it. Right? And so I'm grateful to have my son be a part of such a group that if even if I can't articulate it in a in a in a um, in an intelligent way, you know, he's gotten an opportunity to be around people who can express to him what this is truly all about because they've lived it. These gentlemen, you know, like I said, Doc, Mr. Don Rivers is in his sixties. I believe the main three gentlemen that are running the program are in their 60s, okay? So they've seen beyond what I could, you know, can express. And for that, I'm thankful. And so in closing, I just want to say to Dr. C.T. Vivian, to Senator... John Lewis, thank you, sir. Well done. Your efforts were not in vain. I respect what you did. I respect the foundation that you've laid before us. And if God so chooses me or compels me to organize in a way to continue to forward your efforts to see change in our society for the benefit of our black black and brown brothers and sisters then I'm 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 ready I'm ready to do whatever I need to do and I put a stamp on that And so uh, they actually played this Sam Cooke song during the, the, the march that we were on. And I felt so good to, you know, it was, it was a proud moment because you don't actually understand it until you are physically doing it. What it was that they actually were doing and trying to do and just trying to simply say, okay, it was a simple act of, a peaceful, uh, demonstrative cry for and demand for freedom and justice in their own way. And I respect that. It's your girl Flo, and you've just been listening to another Flo experience. I will leave you with this um Change is going to come song by Sam Cooke once more and again. Um, Godspeed to every last one of y'all. And also, before we end this, thank you for your prayers. Thank you for signing the petitions. Thank you for your phone calls. Thank you for uh, everything that I ask you to do on behalf of my husband um, and us fighting for him to come home. Uh, he will be leaving Oakdale, Louisiana. August 7th, and returning home uh, officially for good. It isn't as soon as we wanted him to come home, 
However, he made it home earlier than what he's supposed to. So there's that. (laughs) I love y'all. Have a good one. Peace. Yes, it will.